0: Well, hey, Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of California Haunts Radio. My name is Charlotte, and I am your host. For the next hour, maybe hour and a half, we'll see how long Josh has and how things go. Uh, You can find my team. I run a paranormal team here in Sacramento at www.californiahaunts.org. We're 30 members strong, and we're not only in Sacramento, we're up and down the state of California. And we're really proud of the work we do. It's all nonprofit, and we go out and help people with uh, what they think are hauntings reason why we're here today is, of course, I have this radio show that I do weekly, and what a lot of people don't realize is I'm an actual journalist. I uh, have spent almost 21 years as a journalist, and I have been an editor at a daily paper. I've had a couple daily papers. One was online, and one was actually in Woodland, where I was a crime courts reporter for six years. So stories like, you know, covering stuff like like what we're about to do today is near and dear to my heart, because, you know, you see a lot of human trafficking and child trafficking. So I'm really glad to have Josh on. So let me get um, adjusted here so you can hear me better. I don't know if anybody wants to hear me better, but anyway, welcome. You can see I've got my Christmas backdrop up. I've got my Hawaiian Santa going on here. I even got a Santa cap on, but today's topic is serious. You know, I'm dressed for fun, topic serious. So I'm really excited to have Josh on and uh, let's welcome him in and get the show on the road. Hey, Josh, how you doing?
1: I am doing good. Uh, Good to talk to you. Thank you for inviting me on your show.
0: I'm just really excited. Uh, I don't know if you heard my intro, but my background is as a uh, crime reporter. I was a crime reporter for six years in Woodland in addition to being the assistant editor out there. So what we're about to talk about is really near and dear to my heart, you know, as as far as all this goes. Give me a little bit of your background and um, how it relates to child trafficking.
1: Sure. So my name's Josh Peck. For uh, those who aren't familiar with me, I work in full time ministry at SkyWatch TV, and I've been there for the past six, going on seven years now. Um, I'm a best selling author. This this is my first attempt at a documentary, but I've been uh, involved in you know video editing. Basically everything having to do with uh, ca- cameras and filming and stuff, I've been involved in the on, on the back end of all that stuff for for years now. Uh, so this was the first time that I've taken it in more of a creative uh, effort. But uh, the way that this came about was um, at Skywatch, we were having a meeting trying to decide what the next documentary project would be, and the, like I said before, this this would be my first one. So um, we had a list of a few different topics and there just wasn't anything more important than the issue of uh child sex trafficking but but also the spiritual spirituality behind it that that's that's a topic that usually isn't talked about when discussing um child sex trafficking. It's usually, you hear a lot of statistics, which those are important. We need the statistics. We need to know what the problem is. We need to know what's going on. Uh, But for those of us who believe in a spiritual reality as well, we know that this goes far beyond just the physical. Uh, To some people, to some of these perpetrators, not all, but to some, this is a religion. Uh, And and it it goes much darker than that. That's actually where the subtitle comes from, the darker side of trafficking uh the movie is called silent cry some people have taken issue with that subtitle because they say that it uh makes it sound like there's a lighter side it's not that there's a lighter side it's that there's a hidden side that's not talked about and that's what uh, i tried to do in this documentary
0: interesting very 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 interesting so um how how did you i mean like you just told me what got you you know doing this what type of research did you have to do to even begin to do this kind of thing
1: yeah, I started off uh, researching this this really strange case uh, from decades ago called the Finders, um, and some people might be familiar with that. Basically, what what had happened, uh, and I, I we can get more into it if you if you'd like. But, sure,
0: uh, sure, sure, absolutely. You know,
1: the, the, the short The short version of the story and, and how this led to this the, the this larger uh, research project is uh, just in the eighties. There was um, there was a, a bunch of kids with two men in suits. And the kids were malnourished. They were all at this park. A lady happened to walk by and thought it looked strange, so she called the authorities. And uh, over some investigation, it turned out that these uh, two individuals with these kids were part of a cult called uh, the Finders cult. And there was evidence towards child sex trafficking, but also towards things like Satanism and stuff like that. So Hmm. I I wanted to look into that because there, there also appeared to be A a cover up involved. And I'm not one that jumps on every conspiracy theory that comes my way. You know, I try to be really careful with that kind of stuff. There's so much sensationalism uh, in our country today, and it doesn't help the victims of these crimes to just sensationalize it. So I wanted to be real careful and see if there really was a conspiracy here. uh, Because at the time when I first started research, um, a bunch of government documents were released and released to the public uh, through a FOIA request. And Um, Now, these documents are heavily redacted, but we can piece together a lot of the story. So the beginning, the the first part of the movie is literally uh, me showing just my short 10-minute research video that I put together based on the finders. And uh, after that video, I go on to explain how that led me to... Want to research this this topic um, bro- more broadly, but in our time, I was horrified to find out. I live in a really small town, uh, and it's one of those towns where everybody knows everybody. You know, not a lot goes on. You know, I I love it because it's peaceful. But I was mm-hmm. horrified to find out that there were there are sex trafficking rings even in areas local to me in the middle of nowhere. That are being busted up. I was also horrified to find out that only one percent of this crime is ever reported. So, you know, I'm putting two and two together. I thought all of these child sex trafficking rings are being busted up, but that's only one percent of what's actually out there. And if this problem has infiltrated my small town, right. um, clearly no place is safe. So that that's what really launched me into uh, this the the, the the broader topic. And uh, what led me to reach out to experts who are who, who have already been working in the field for a long time, also people who aren't afraid to tell me uh, on camera what they've discovered. There's a lot of people who work uh, to try to rescue kids, who, who work to counsel kids, and many of them, because of their reputation, they don't want to, uh, you know, go out in public and say right. what these kids have said or, or what really goes on. So I, I wanted to find people who. First have been involved in this in a long time, who have already already have a proven track record of being honest and being willing to open to talk about what they know, have a proven track record of not being sensational. Because the last thing I want to do is sensationalize it. I want to get at the truth. And what I found out was that the the truth behind this is uh, more horrifying than most people know. It doesn't even have to be sensationalized. The, the, The truth is horrifying enough.
0: Very interesting. Did you have? um, I know as a reporter, I'm able to go and I I have certain access rights to to get into stuff. Did you have trouble accessing stuff like like police files and stuff like that to do your research?
1: I I had to go through other people. Some of the stuff is publicly available. That that was the real scary thing about the Finders case is that these documents are publicly available, and even though they are redacted, what you can what you can piece together, like what you can actually know, does show evidence of a of a cover up, but. Most people, most people aren't going to go and do all that research. It's, it's over, it's, it's hundreds and hundreds of pages. It takes a while to go through, but most people aren't going to do that. The evidence is publicly available to people. But it is difficult to weed out the sensational stuff from the real stuff. So people can't just, you know, go on Facebook or go on YouTube and expect that they're going to get the truth in all cases. They have to actually dig into these things themselves. So uh, part of it, um, part of it, I just went through stuff that was already publicly available, like those FOIA requests, things like uh-huh. on finders, and then the other part of it was I relied on the experts to to tell me what they've discovered, what they've found from working uh, on this for so long, uh, because again, those those those. Documents, especially when it comes to somebody's reputation being on the line, like with the you know uh, police or st- stuff like that, can be very hard to track down because it, 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 I I've I could not find. Um, I actually I, I found one private investigator uh, who we don't have in the film, but we have in a a bonus feature uh, with the film if people get the film at skywatchtvstore.com. I was able to find one private investigator that was willing to go on the record with me and tell me what goes on uh, with with police cover-ups, how a lot of times when the police get involved, they'll hear testimonies from children Uh about like occult activities or stuff, but a lot of times they won't even report it because they're worried that they're going to look crazy. You know, if, if they go and tell the people in charge, well, you know, the kid told me this, we don't want to let that get out. It's going to make us look nuts. So a lot of times that's kind of brushed under the rug. You know, they figure, well, we have the child now we can, uh, we, we can bring the kids into safety now. So it doesn't matter. But the, the, the issue is from doing that for so long, for so many decades, um, this problem has been allowed to grow in the background it, it's been growing exponentially uh, under the radar and now it's it's really bubbling up to the surface and, and a lot of times when people hear this they think satanic panic you know they think well right. what what happened uh, decades ago is you know people exaggerated things it got sensationalized and it was just this big conspiracy theory and it's all fake that's what people think uh, there was a lot of sensationalism with the Satanic Panic, and we do deal with that in the film because it's it's the best example, the most recent example of exactly what's happening today uh, that we have that's still present in people's minds. Um, there was sensationalism, absolutely, just like there's sensationalism today. But there was also true things that came out too. There 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 really was abuse of children. There really uh, were. Um, you know, satanic circles participating in this, but because the whole thing was brushed off as just uh, as nonsense, it was allowed to grow. And now we, we have this problem today and, and it is still hard to convince people so that was why I wanted to go with as, as much official sources as I could find uh, again a lot of those have to do with like the the, the finder stuff with the from the federal government uh, and experts that have been involved in this and have a proven track record uh, that you know this is their career this is their job and they don't as far as I can tell they have no reason to sensationalize or or make anything up because they could literally lose their jobs over it
0: when you talk about a cover-up, what, what, what do you mean by cover-up
1: sure so um the finders case and and the reason I wanted to start off with that in the film is because a lot of people think that we should just look to the government to solve this problem that you know if we just vote the right guy in then we can sit back for four years and let them handle it uh, but we we have examples showing that you know the government has been complicit in at least covering it up, uh, and even in some cases possibly perpetrating this crime going back decades. So the Finders is, is the best example. Uh, it's not the only example, but in in my opinion, it was the best one because you can actually piece these uh, piece this together pretty pretty easily. So the official story, in um, you know, I already kind of mentioned, but in 2018 and 2019 the FBI declassified nearly 650 heavily redacted pages relating to this group known as the Finders. It contained evidence that the State Department and the CIA was again at best complicit, that's the best thing that we could say, Like, um, but the worst uh, is that they were directly involved and conspired to cover up the uh, investigation and charges. So when this group was discovered, the public was told that the Finders, or this was what was made publicly available, that the Finders was just a post-hippie commune of off-the-grid futurists. Uh, they were discovered in, 87 in uh, 1987 in Tallahassee when a woman saw it was six malnourished children with two well-dressed men at a park. And again, like I said, something didn't seem right. So she called the police. And then two weeks after that call was made, the entire case was dropped. It was largely forgotten um, until the documents were released. There were a couple of researchers that, that stayed with it uh, all, all this time. And you know, thank God for them. But by and large in the, in the public eye, this was forgotten. So when the, the documents were released, uh, it, t- it tells the story that the public wasn't told and we can finally piece these things together. Now, again, there's still a lot we don't know because they are heavily redacted. We don't have all the names. Uh, We don't have like all the dates. We actually have a lot of dates, though, which is is really weird. But uh, from what we can piece together just based on what these documents say, we can show there is definitely a cover-up. So we do tell the whole story in the movie, and I'll hit some of the highlights uh, here so people can know what's going on. Because the main thing that I want to get across is this shows us why we can't trust the government to just solve this problem for us. It's going to take a... a, It's going to it has to start on an individual basis. It's going to take a cultural shift. But um, so when the police brought these two men and children into custody, uh, the two men were uncooperative. They didn't provide ID for themselves or the kids. They were unable to prove that the children even belonged to them. And while they were in custody, it was discovered that there was this other similar case in Washington, D.C., And uh, so in Washington, D.C., that's where the name The Finders came from because they they were already kind of on this. And that was the name they they gave to this group. So police had searched properties belonging to The Finders. They found hand-drawn pentagrams. They found over 100 animal bones and other disclosed pieces of evidence of satanic and cult rituals. Now, some... It's hard to interpret what exactly that means because the it doesn't go into detail exactly in the documents, and a lot of it's redacted. We don't know what the undisclosed pieces of evidence of satanic cult rituals is. Um, the hand-drawn pentagrams, some say, well, maybe the kids were just doodling or something. Right. I mean, they were carved, like, into plates. The animal bones, maybe they, you know, had KFC that night and they just threw the bones down. You know, Maybe. Uh, So, but, but there's other, there's other, so that we don't know. There's other reports though, that they found cages that witnesses said were used to keep children in during their visits. We don't know who these witnesses are. We don't know what position the witnesses were in to even see this stuff. You know, why were there witnesses to to see children in cages? And it wasn't reported before, so we don't know exactly what all that means. All it says is that there there were witnesses that said that these cages were used to keep children in during their visits. Um, they discovered documents on the finder's property containing instructions for obtaining children, impregnating women, and purchasing, kidnapping, and trading children. So these um, the. The documents, not the ones found on the in, in the finders, but the, the documents that we have now uh, from the government uh, expressed a suspicion that the finders were being used by the U.S. Uh, government on a state and federal level. So investigators involved uh, in, in trying to find out what was going on, they expressed their suspicion in some of these reports. Um, a member of the finders named Isabella, we don't have a last name, but she was discovered to have worked for the U.S. government from 1950 to 1970. Uh, There are investigators mentioned in the documents, uh, though names have been redacted, uh, who became absolutely convinced that the finders were part of an organized child abuse scheme that was being covered up by the State Department and FBI's uh, foreign counterintelligence uh, section. Even more horrifying than all that, there was proof of child abuse found in the documents and proof That it was covered up. So when the police questioned the children that were being held, that that were with the two men at the park, when the police questioned them, the kids described seeing um, strange things, women walking around naked at their home. Uh, They described uh, this leader of their commune called the Game Caller. His real name was uh, uh, Marion Petty. Uh, So Petty would tell these kids to do strange things like read random bulletin boards, take notes, and even babysit children. Uh, During the interview though, the children were clearly not well. They were extremely hungry and they were so sick that they actually urinated and defecated on the floor during during the uh, um, interview. So the children were medically examined. And two of them, we only have first names, Max and Mary, were confirmed cases of sexual abuse. And the details and evidence of the sexual abuse are probably too explicit for an interview like this, but we do put it in the movie. We have the the actual documents right on screen. Uh, we we read exactly what what it says, and we do that not to sensationalize it, uh, but we get this from the original offense reporting form um, in, in the movie, and, and we do that to just show the truth of what is in these documents, so people don't think that we're sensationalizing it. But uh, the form detailing the abuse <clears throat> from the medical examination has an original date of February fourth, nineteen eighty seven, and we know that even a copy was made on February 9th, 1987. And those dates are going to be really important because on February 18th, uh, and this was only two weeks after the confirmation of sexual abuse uh, was discovered, the whole case of the finders was dropped, no arrests were made, the two men had all charges against them dropped, and the children were even sent back with no attempts of rehabilitation or even foster care. Uh, now, an affidavit written either on or after February 5th of 1987. So this would have been a day or more after the child sex abuse was discovered. An affidavit was written and stated that the children were all examined for sexual abuse, but the results were not available at this time. Uh, even though we have clear evidence now uh, from that offense report made right. that that you know that there was evidence made at least a day earlier, so it, it was available. This report was saying that it wasn't. So clearly, something was being covered up there. But it gets even worse, where the documents explained why it was called off, why no arrests were made, um, and why all the previous charges were dropped. It was act. It, it it actually states in there that there was no evidence of child sexual exploitation, uh, no evidence of kidnapping or related crime. And again, this is two full weeks after that medical report was was made, showing clear. Uh, sexual abuse. Um, they said that there was no evidence of satanic activity, but now we have documents showing that that we can prove that all of that is an outright lie. There was evidence of all of this stuff. It was also reported that the lifestyle choice of the finders was subjective. That there was nothing objectively wrong with or abusive or neglectful with what we were doing, with what they were doing. Even though we know today that all of that is a lie. Um, and the police and medical reports show that they were starved, they were being withheld medical attention and they were sexually abused. Wow. So after afterwards, Um, All of the evidence was ignored, dismissed, no real answer given. Uh, So we know there was at least a cover-up, but why the cover-up is another question. And the best that we have to go on uh, in the documents is speculation from someone who appears to be close to the case, an an investigator who expressed his suspicions in in, an official report from the domestic security branch of the police uh, department in D.C., so he writes that he believed the finders uh, were utilized by the CIA as a disinformation service. He says that they're capable of destructive and illegal activities. He refers to them as a uh, as a cult. He says that he didn't believe the sexual abuse of children was, was originally planned, but sprung up later due to sick and demented subjects who belong to the cult. So it appears the CIA was using this group as a disinformation service that originally Originally, uh, there wasn't any knowledge of sexual abuse, but that sprung up later. And then the CIA turned a blind eye to it and let it go on because whatever they were getting from the finders was more valuable than the safety of these children, apparently, you know, to them. Uh, he also believed that the, the shaping of the children was a planned experiment. He even referred to it, uh, or, or compared it to the Nazis towards a perfect society. He also said that, um, he didn't believe that the finders ever disbanded, uh, which makes us wonder. And again, this report was made in the '80s, so right. when he says that he didn't believe they ever disbanded, he's saying that back in the '80s. But it does make us wonder if they got away with it then. You know, if they did, if they didn't disband then. Right. Uh, are they still active in the government today? And it also makes us wonder what horrific levels of corruption are going on in the government right now that won't be released for another 30 years if it's released at all. So the whole point of all of that is it shows us why we can't trust the government to protect our children. Um, we we Sometimes we get politicians in that seem to do a good job, sometimes not. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, if we ever do get a politician that actually does take this seriously, it, it's, it's a fluke, it's outside the norm um and that that one person whoever it might be can't fight this fight by by him or herself um by and large the the establishment the the people who really are in government forever uh the people who who are still in government today who were in government back in the 80s i mean the, these are the people they at best want nothing to do with this fight and at worst and unfortunately, uh, at least in one circumstance, and in and actually many other circumstances, uh, want to perpetuate um, more trafficking for their own twisted desires, whatever those are. But this is why uh, the finders was covered up, and this, this is why a lot of things today are still covered up, such as you know all the secret information regarding Jeffrey Epstein, some of which is still. Now coming to light. So the main point is, it shows us we can't trust the government. It's going to take a cultural movement of individuals like you, like me, like your audience, yeah. my audience. It's going to take all of us deciding as individuals. You know what? Uh, we need to make a change. I'm going to make a change in my personal life today. I'm going to not support anything that is, uh, you know, sexually explicit or, or that contributes to this oversexualized culture that we live in, where there is an a, an actual market. Uh, mm-hmm. For child sexual exploitation, so there are things like that that we can do in our own individual lives.
0: When you talk about children, what were the ages for these kids? Uh, I,
1: I'm not. I'm not sure if the document said. Um, I want to say it. Seemed it seemed like it was somewhere between five and nine, and wow. the, the horrifying. is yeah, they, they weren't teenagers. Um, I think one of them said it would that uh one of them was nine but it was it's hard to tell which child they're talking about and and cuz there there were other unnamed children as well there were six children in total and we only have the names of two of them but they they were they were young i mean these weren't like 17 18 year olds that would still be horrifying even if they were Absolutely. um but but they were they were much younger than that and it, it's horrifying because today even today we have statistics that show the age has only dropped the age is only younger Today than it was even back then.
0: Wow, man! Do you know how they were abducted? Um, we
1: don't, no, unfortunately, we don't know if they were kidnapped. We don't know if uh, be, because when 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 all of the when all the charges were dropped, the documents say that they were the kids were released. They were released back to people claiming to be their parents. So we don't know what that means. It doesn't say that they were released back to their parents. It says. Like specifically claim to be their parents, so we don't know if they were even released back to their parents. We don't know if these were a kidnap case. If there, there are times that even today, this this unfortunately is a rising trend where where parents will traffic their own children. Mm-hmm. So we 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 don't know where the kids came from. They could have come from members of the cult, uh, and that's that's probable. That 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 very right. well could be because if it, if it was a kidnapping case, it seems like you know, they'd be wondering where they are. And it seems like there would be something in the documents, even if it was redacted, but something saying that these kids belong to somebody and it connected with some other case, but we didn't find anything like that in the documents. So it seems like if I, if I were to guess, I would say that some of the members in the cult, it was their own kids, but we, we don't know for sure.
0: You know, as I am sitting here listening to this, mm. I'm thinking about the, the recent stuff that's been going on with the children in the cages you know, with the being locked up, I mean, because they, they can't trace the parents back and all this. And it makes you wonder if if this may you know, I'm not saying it's involved, you know, something similar is involved with this. But maybe, you know, may, maybe there's a little link to that, too, because now they've got these kids that they can't trace back. So it's a perfect excuse to grab them.
1: Right yeah and and unfortunately because there is such a market for this kind of thing that that does happen. I mean the statistics are horrifying and and we do get into the statistics in the movie. I'll I'll even get into some of them now. Sure. Um but uh but in in the movie it, it's not the typical documentary that you watch on child sex trafficking that mainly focuses on the statistics and you get 30 experts and they're all kind of saying the same thing. Um, I actually really limited the amount of people. We only have seven people in the movie. I wanted to limit it because um, we have a um, a survivor of child sex trafficking in the film, and her and her brother, um, they're from South Africa, Yakobuyans and Alakadit. And they they've ever since they moved to America in I think 2000, uh, they've been involved in in fighting this crime and trying to help kids and stuff. And she she has an absolutely just amazing story, uh, really tragic but um, also hopeful because it shows that you know people can kids can live a normal life if they get, if they get help. Um, and actually while I'm on that topic, I should bring up too that 100% of profits of this film of silent cry, 100% of the profits go to whispering ponies ranch, which is a place for children who have been rescued from child sex trafficking or sexual abuse. Uh, they go there to heal and they go there, how to, how to, uh, they go there to learn how to live, um, Normal, well balanced life and get the help that they need. So, 100% of the profits from this movie go to Whispering Ponies Ranch. If people are interested in getting the film, uh, they can go to skywatchtvstore.com and it comes with a big package of extra materials and things that couldn't be included in the movie. Hours and hours of uh, extra interviews, uh, bonus DVDs, extra documentaries we made specifically for this package. If people just want the movie, they can get it on Amazon, they can rent it there. and stream it there. And I would just ask for people to uh, please leave a review because it helps convince Amazon to uh, share this uh, around with their users. And that's what we really want. Excuse me. <clears throat> but the statistics on this are, are horrifying and most people don't want to admit that America which you know we we tend to think as you know the beacon of light for the world and in many ways America is unfortunately this is not one of those ways America is actually ranked one of the worst countries for human trafficking and there is a lot of incentive for just like you've mentioned um there there are there are traffickers that want kids to go into foster care because they know that there's, there it's ripe crowned. They can send kids in to recruit other kids. You can have kids recruiting kids. Uh, so I, I would have no doubt that that happens across the border as well. This is an international trade as well. So America's ranked one of the worst countries in the world for human trafficking. Um, one out of four victims of human trafficking are children. So 25% of all trafficking victims here in America are children. Um, the numbers on how many kids are actively being trafficked uh, today, like day-to-day, uh, it, it's hard to estimate because, again, only 1% of the crime is ever reported. But we All estimate right. low-end, some say as low as 200,000. Um, in the film, we say 500,000. Uh, and we get that number from Yako Bullions, who, who his organization, now.org. Uh, investigated and came up with that number. There are other organizations that say it's as many as 1.2 million. So with all of these estimates, we lean on the on the lower side just to be careful. But still, half a million kids, you know, at least being trafficked in America per day. That doesn't mean half a million kids are getting kidnapped every day, uh, but just that are actively being trafficked. Um, a kid, a child who is trafficked, is raped on average uh, between five and fifteen times a day. So this is Every day, this is their lives. Uh, the average, the this 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 horrified me. Um, when I first started looking into the average age, it was kind of what I expected, but the reason why it's like this was really scary. So, the average age of girls that, that are actively trafficked is between 12 and 14 years old, while boys is 15 years old. It actually should be much lower than that, those numbers are a little bit skewed because the average life expectancy of a child who is trafficked is only seven years. So when they when they do the averages for uh, kids who are actively being trafficked today, they don't factor in kids that have died from this crime. Oh. Um, and so of the living Children who are being trafficked—it's 12 to 15 years old uh, between girls and boys. But again, the average life expectancy of a child who is trafficked is only seven years, which is—and that number is dropping. It's horrifying. So this means that children who die—they're again—they're not counted in the average age of active uh, trafficking victims, making the, the the average age appear older. So if the, if the average life expectancy of child trafficking victims is only seven years, that means uh, only half of, of trafficking victims survive past the seven-year-old mark. They, they only half survive past seven years, and they're killed at ages younger than seven years. They die either by violence from the trauma of the rape itself the drugs that they're given suicide uh, that that's a big contributor to, to child death uh, or they just die alone on the street once they can't be used anymore they're just left alone um, and they die from exposure or or you know whatever but uh, even even with adults I mean that the children numbers are are horrifying, but it's not much better with the adults. Even with the adults, much of what is called prostitution is not even prostitution, it's it's sex trafficking. Over 98% of global prostitutes um, are not actually prostitutes by definition, they're trafficking victims. Because for it to be actual prostitution, uh, it has to be completely voluntary. Meaning if there's ever any force, if there's any fraud or coercion, if they've ever been raped or abused, uh, if they've ever been told that they have to do it to pay off a debt, that's not prostitution, that's trafficking. So we have people today in our country who are you know, standing up for sex workers' rights, and whether they realize it or not, it, it, it's, they're not supporting what they think they're supporting. It, a, lot of, a lot of times, this, this supports the freedom of traffickers to abuse these people even more. Um, so e- e- a parent can even have a child who is being trafficked and not even know it. This was horrifying to me. This, this is what happened to Alonka Deaton. Sometimes kids, and th- th- this is why this isn't as well known, because most times, a lot of times, it's not a kidnapping scenario. A lot of times the child is trafficked and allowed to return home. So not all wow. not all trafficking victims are, are uh, kidnapping victims as well. The way it works is a couple different ways. Um, a trafficker will either threaten the child and say, if you tell anybody, I'll kill your family. That's what happened with Alanka Deaton. She tells that whole story uh, in, in the movie. Or sometimes the trafficker will pose as kind of an older boyfriend or something like that. And this is a way he'll, he'll sell it to, to the girl. Sometimes it's to the boy. You know, so it's not always girls. It's something like 90 to 95 percent uh, are girls in this situation. But boys right. are, are rising as well. Uh, but he'll he'll tell the girl that. You know, your parents don't love you. They don't understand you. And most times in our country, children don't have a super strong relationship with their family anyway. So it all seems to make sense. The child is craving uh, attention from somebody who's older. And so this trafficker comes in and kind of plays the hero. And so they'll devise this plan. Well, we got to get out of here. We should run away. You know, I'll take care of you. How are we going to make money? I know one way to make money. And, they'll, you know, the, so the groomer will, will uh, or trafficker, really, will convince the girl to, to do this. The girl thinks she's doing it voluntarily. So there's this sense of shame. She doesn't want to tell her parents because she doesn't want to get in trouble. Or she thinks that this is perfectly okay. Uh, because in our culture, again, our culture is so heavily sexualized that children kind of just think this stuff is okay. Um, the the average age that a child is show, shown pornography uh, for the first time is nine years old, and even that is is lowering. So children think that all this sexual stuff is just kind of okay and it's not really harmful and it's fine. So uh, a lot of times the kids are are convinced of that, they're allowed to return home. The parent has no idea what's going on, even in circumstances where the parent isn't being abusive. The parent can do everything right, or the parents. This happens in a lot of uh, families where the parents are still together even, and they can do everything right, and this still happens. They might notice an attitude change in their daughter, but they think, mm-hmm. well, she's getting to be that age. you know, right. That's what happens. And sometimes it is that, but sometimes it's not. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, many times parents are horrified to find out what is actually uh, going on in their daughter's life. So um, th- this is why one thing that we talk a lot about in the film, trust is so important in families. I mean, we, and we say that and it almost becomes cliche. We, we almost don't know what it means anymore. Um I remember when I grew up, I, I had I had parents that uh, you, you know if they made a mistake, they would never admit it because they, they saw that as kind of a sign of weakness. You know, they thought right. I would take advantage of that or something. Um, I, I I personally don't parent that way. So with my kids, if I make a mistake and I'm human, so it happens quite often. Um, I talk to them about it if it involves them. You know, I'll talk to them about it. But you know, I'm very open with my kids about my own humanity uh-huh. and. You have no idea how much trust that can build because kids are already aware of their parents' faults. They're already gonna be aware of it. They don't need to be told. But if parents can show them that we are willing to be honest about it, they're going to be more willing to be honest about their own faults or things going on in their own lives. And they're going to know that, that 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 bridge of trust has been built where they can tell us things and we're not going to freak out about it, just like we can tell them things and they're not going to freak out about it. So it's, it's a way of demonstrating trust. You know, it's it's one thing to just teach them and tell them, but we need to demonstrate it in our own lives. Building that kind of relationship between parents and kids Um uh, you know, we, we, we live we live in a country where you, you can't fully mitigate against this threat. You know, sometimes you can do everything right and a child is is, is still trafficked. But that level of trust—that is one of the best ways to have the the least amount of chance of this happening. Because uh, if you can tell your kids what's going on, and if you give your kids that attention, when somebody swoops in to try to groom your child, they're going to be aware of it. They're not going to crave that attention. They're not going to crave that because they're already getting it from their father, you know, or their mother in in terms of uh, uh, if it's if it's a boy. Because you know with. With kids, it's it's they they crave they mostly crave uh, the attention of the parent of the opposite uh, gender, uh, sex whatever I, I don't know what the proper term is but <laughs> you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so so for daughters they crave they mainly especially when they're at that age they crave the attention of their father but they also look to their father to demonstrate what what people what other people of that uh, you know, other guys that, you know, what, what qualities to look for, how they know they can trust, uh, you know, some other guy or something. So that is really important. Honesty is really important. So with me and my daughter, I am always, uh, as, as much as I can be maybe even to a fault, (laughs) I am just open and honest with her, you know, to the level that she can understand because she's Mm a child she's not going to understand, you know, adult things, but to the level that they can understand. Uh, so my my hope is um, that when she is older, she's going to have a radar for when she's being lied to, because she she's going to have her father as an example of honesty. She's going to know what a lie looks like and what honesty looks like. She's going to value the honesty. And if a groomer comes in and tries to manipulate her, the, the hope is that she'll already have that radar there and she won't be taken in by it. Um, so that, because again, more and more in our day, it's less and less likely for it to be a kidnapping scenario, though that does happen, but it's more likely traffickers mainly want to mostly want to uh, trick the child or manipulate the child, make the child think it's, it's their idea, uh, because then the police aren't involved. I mean, when there's a kidnapping immediately, police are involved and there's a lot of uh, heat put on that situation. If a trafficker can do it under the radar. Uh, then they'll, they'll do that. And especially with, you know, online, social media, it's becoming easier and easier for uh, groomers to do that. So those are a couple of things that uh, parents can look out for.
0: I was going to say, do they find in your, in your research, have you found that people that are posting photos of their children online are kind of not saying contributing to it, but I mean, these traffic, these traffickers are, are watching that stuff, right?
1: They can be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it's mostly, it's, it doesn't seem to be as much from the parents though. That is a risk, you know, that is a risk. So I, I would say, you know, if you're a parent, keep your uh, profile private, if you can, some people have a job where uh, if they're, if they're active in the public, they need to have a a public, um, you know, social media presence. And you know i'm 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 one of those people so you it's it's all about what your situation is and just mitigate the best you can from it uh, and and involved in it. So like, for example, sometimes I personally, sometimes I'll put pictures of my kids and it's mostly for my family and friends and things, but, um, a, a trafficker could use that, but mostly what they look for is a kid posting pictures of themselves. So like my daughter, uh, she has an iPad, but she, she does not have a Facebook. Like she does not have access to social media. Um, and, uh, because that, that's the type of kid they, they, Traffickers typically won't go through the parents. Sometimes they will, especially if it's another family member. Uh, sometimes if the parents can be manipulated, they'll manipulate the parents. But um, if the parents can't be manipulated or if there's a severe risk, like I I, I mean, you never know with traffickers because they don't profile. You, you really don't know what they'll right. do. Um, but I, I would expect that like if a trafficker was looking at like my family, for example. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Josh just released. A documentary on child sex trafficking. His radar's probably up, so I, I would think that they would say, "Okay, I'll, we'll just leave those kids alone." But if they were going to try and do it, you know, I, I would think that they would try to go through the school system or, or try to, which which is uh, another thing, by the way. If parents can do it, we're we we're, we have just started this process in our house. Um, develop an exit strategy for to get out of public schools and go into homeschools because even the best public schools in the world a trafficker is more likely to go through a public school or even a private school sometimes uh they're more likely to do that then go through a homeschool. So there, there's several there's several ways that we can lessen uh, the risk. So in the film, we do talk about children who are most at risk. Mm-hmm. Jakob Williams, he's kind of our, our uh, central expert for the film. Um, he says that uh, the child that's most at risk, this surprised me, uh, is not a child who lives in a poor neighborhood because that child likely has seen crime firsthand. Their radar is more up for it. Uh, Instead, he says that the child that's most at risk is a middle-class suburban child who is oblivious that these kinds of things even happen, a child who escapes into a cell phone, whose parents are still together um, and relatively well-off financially. Um, but uh, who doesn't have these kinds of conversations with them because that child has no radar whatsoever. Uh, Along with that, kids uh, oblivious to these things, kids who are more withdrawn, uh, you know, kind of like loners who aren't as social as most, those are seen as targets, especially if that child doesn't have the best relationship with their parents, because then again, like I said before, a trafficker can take advantage of that. Public schools are susceptible because um, even if a child doesn't have a cell phone, excuse me. Uh, like my daughter, she doesn't have a cell phone. She has an iPad that stays at home. Um, but even if a child doesn't have a cell phone, and this is why we're, we're you know, getting rid of the public, you know, in our family, saying no to the public school system, because even if a child doesn't have a cell phone, most likely their friends do. And it's now reported that the average age that a child sees pornography for the first time is nine years old. And uh, like I said earlier, that, that age is is lowering. Uh, and pornography is frequently used to desensitize kids to the idea of sex so they can become easier targets. Uh, so kids who are heavily involved on social media are at risk as traffickers will use social media. They'll, they'll do it in clever ways to fool kids into making themselves vulnerable. Sometimes they'll act like a child themselves and and pretend to be a child. Uh, and, and, and no social media, uh, company because because all social media companies are inundated with pornography and no social media company has a great track record, tra- track record of policing against it. We talk about it more in the film but it's it's been reported that YouTube even YouTube for kids, Instagram, Facebook, many others, basically all of them Uh, Many others have already allowed pornography on their platforms and continue to do so. So if your kids are on any kind of social media platforms, whether they're accessing it or not, doesn't really matter. They have direct access to pornography. I mean, it's 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 like putting um, a a nudie magazine in your son's room and saying don't look at that. It's it's right. essentially the same thing, and then going away and leaving him alone with it. It's it's the same thing. Um, so there, those are some things to look out for. There are several things that parents can do, though. Uh, we need to understand at this time. It's like I said, it's impossible to be completely free from any and all risk having to do with trafficking because this problem has gotten so bad. There was a time decades ago where you could do things and it would pretty much put your risk level to zero. That's no longer the case, unfortunately. So, um, uh, parents uh, have to know that their children can still become targets and we need to be hyper vigilant, hyper aware of that. We don't want to live in fear. We don't want to scare our children to death, but we do want to make them aware of the dangers that are out there. Um, and so uh, trust, strength, and knowledge are the three most important things in a family that, that can um, really help in lessening the risk for this. So I've already talked about trust. Right. Um, strength is really important. And it's about being you, you know, so-called strict, but w- without being a tyrant. So you, you don't wanna let your kids do whatever they want. You have to love them enough to be the strict parent that doesn't allow them to have free and open access uh, to a cell phone and all the pornography in the world. But you also have to explain to them why. You have to explain the dangers that are out there, that it's not that you don't trust your kids, it's you don't trust the world. Right. Um, and how these traffickers absolutely will use their cell phones to target them, which you know leads to the next thing parents need. We need to be bold without being brutes. Uh, we need to realize it's more important for our kids to be safe than for them to uh, like everything that we're doing or or every choice that we make uh, or or have every option available to them in their social lives. You know, we. But again we don't want them, we don't want to teach them to just live in absolute fear we we want to empower them and let them know that they do have options they they can keep themselves safe and they should and we want to trust them with that but at the same time we want to have some restraint because we have to remember we can't trust the world and that's where knowledge comes in So the third thing, knowledge is the key. It is so important for parents to be educated and warn their children of the dangers of the world. Uh, Many experts are saying that there's no real age where they're too young to know. You just talk to them on the level that they can understand. So my four, like I'll, I'll, my my daughter's 10, I'll talk to her on a higher level than I talk to my four-year-old, but even my four-year-old knows there are dangerous people in the world. There are people out there that would love to hurt him and we don't know who those people are, but it's okay. Do what mom and dad say, and we can keep you safe, you know, but you, you can't just like, we, we don't, we don't even, and a lot of this is because uh, my wife and I are public figures. We don't even let our kids play in the front yard because anybody could drive by and, you know, we, we don't know. So like every family is going to be a little different. Every family is going to have different things like that. But so with my four-year-old, he knows when you play, stay in the backyard and stay exactly in my sight where I can see you. And, you know, but go have fun, you know, be a kid, be a boy, rough house, you know, have fun. But just so he's not like out there shivering in fear. He he he's out there. He has fun. Uh, he has a normal childhood, but he also knows that he's safe and he, he knows that he needs to listen to mom and dad. So knowledge is really important, but we have to be age appropriate. So, uh, you know, four year olds aren't going to have any idea about sex and, you know, all that stuff. And. Um, my daughter is starting to get to the point where she's having questions about those things. So typically, and again, every parent has to make their own determination. I, and this is just my own opinion for me. I figure if they're old enough to ask a question, they're old enough to get the answer. So uh, I, like I said, my, my wife and I are really, Upfront and honest with our children, not to horrify them, not to sensationalize things with them, because the world will do enough of that for them. But just to tell them, well, this is how it is. And if they're old enough to ask the question, we answer them with, you know, at, at the level with with which they ask. Um, now, specifically, and, and we do that because we want to start as parents. We want to start training their radar for this stuff to be active at all times, not live in fear, but live in maybe suspicion is a good word for it. Um, uh, now, specifically to fathers, the large majority of children who are trafficked are girls. So it's it's increasingly important for uh, for for fathers and in, in to mitigate against this too. Now, boys are steadily on the rise, but most fathers don't realize the power that they have in their daughters' lives. And I'm a dad too. So I I get it. You know, we want to work. We want to provide for our family. And we have to do that. But, you know, mothers can do that too. But we we have to do that. But we can't sacrifice our relationship with our our daughters, especially uh, just to get money flowing into the household. We have to do both. So there's a, uh, um, I don't know if. There are some, I'm a Christian, there's some Christian principles I could get into. I don't know your audience, so I don't know if that would be appropriate or not. I don't have to get into those areas. But I can just say, if you are a Christian, there are plenty of biblical principles that show this. Uh, that, that show how you know the, the father really needs to to be there for their kids, um, and but even just on a psychological level, it's been it's been pretty much proven. I don't even think this is a contested thing, that daughters are going to look to their fathers, sons are going to look to their mo- mothers to exemplify the traits uh, in um, other members of that of that sex that they can trust. So my daughter is going to look to me to determine what kinds of guys she can trust and if there's somebody that's just totally different than me and is acting kind of weird and uh you know might might not be trustworthy she's she's her radar for that is found in uh the examples i give her how i live my life so if i was lying to her all the time um if i was uh not admitting to my own mistakes you know like when i was growing up i i did, i did not trust uh my my family really because There were just a lot of lies that nobody would admit when they made a mistake, and so I didn't really trust them. Now I didn't have any issues with trafficking or anything, but if I was in that scenario, I could have been a target just based on that because I would have easily, I would have trusted an adult that was giving me positive attention. I know that for a fact. I can think back to what it was like being a kid, and I would have easily gravitated to someone like that. It wouldn't have taken much convincing. Um, So. That realization really, and throughout the process of this movie, but um, I've known that about myself since I was 20 years old, you know, so I've, I've, uh, I've tried to put that into practice with my kids and say, okay, I don't want them growing up like that. You know, I, I want them to know that they, they can trust mom and dad. The world is a different story. There, there's good people in the world. There's bad people in the world, and sometimes it can be very difficult to tell. Sometimes you don't find out somebody is actually bad or is doing something bad until after you know them for years and years and years. And that, yeah, and that has happened with our family. Even there have been um, uh, people in our in our family who they they have known, and so this and this is most a lot of families go through this too. So this gives people an example they can use. So, you know, we've had family members that we've had to cut out of our family because it turns out they're like a secret drug addict or something. And right. they're they're actually dangerous. You know, we, we wake up to find out they're actually in jail or something because uh, they've hurt somebody or they've done something to themselves. And so, you know, we can use those examples. We don't shelter our children from that. We tell them, you know, look, this happened and again, we're Christian, So let's pray for, you know, our family member. We still love them and want the best for them. Let's forgive them. But trust and forgiveness are two totally different things. You know, the Bible does not tell us that we have to trust people again after they've hurt us over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, So forgiveness and trust are different. But uh, so let's pray for these people. But at the same time, we need to be we need to be watchful. We need to be careful. We need to not allow that person an opportunity uh, to, to uh, hurt us in some way. So there have been times where we've had to actually cut people out of the family, um, which is not fun to do, but it does give them a good working example. So if they have somebody in their life, like when my daughter starts getting to the age where she's starting to date, if, uh-huh. if she ever has a guy that hurts her in some way, she's going to be less likely to keep going back to that same guy uh, because she already kind of has this foundation of, of like, okay, well, if somebody proves themselves as untrustworthy, then it's perfectly fine to, and actually, it's the the best thing to do in many cases uh, to cut them out completely and not allow them another opportunity to do that again. So there's little things like that. Life will life will give every family um, examples and and things that that you can teach your kids and use as life lessons. But we can't do that if we're shielding our children from all that stuff. So that was kind of a long winded response to your no, question. That's fine. But uh... that's
0: fine. Well, while you were talking to, I was just thinking, you know, what people. As far as the internet goes, you know, when a kid is online and somebody's posing as a child, it is so easy because when you look at the even the Nigerian scammers talking to adults, adults get yeah. taken in all the time. So I mean, for a kid, it'd be so easy to, to to manipulate a kid.
1: Yeah, it is, and that's why we we as adults we need to develop that radar too. I've had to do this uh, when I first started getting into public ministry. Um, I I remember thinking uh, right in the beginning, you know what? I don't care what it takes. I'm going to answer every email, every message. If somebody oh. needs help, I am there. And, you know, that's a good attitude to have, but it's completely unrealistic. Uh, uh-huh. Because what, what happens a lot, there, there's those scammers. There's people that you just don't know. There's uh, people who will message on, on Messenger and just give you a link. and Or they'll say, hey, I think you're in this. You know, are you in this? And they'll want you to click on that link. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of things that come up where you just can't respond. And because there's viruses, there's ways that it it gives these people permission to like track you and stuff. Um, Not permission, but you know, because it, but it gives them a a way to be able to track you and stuff. It's just, it's dangerous. We can't answer every email and answer every message. So I have, I now have developed a standing rule. um, And every, every now and then I'll, I'll remind people on Facebook of this, that if, if I am sent a link without explanation, even if it's a YouTube video, even if it's something that has to do with, you know, something that might relate to my research or, you know, if, if it's just a random YouTube link that's sent to uh-huh. me, that person is immediately blocked on Messenger and I won't re- I, I won't let them back on Messenger. I'll still keep them as friends on, on Facebook, but um, uh, it, unless they start doing that and posting it on my timeline or something. But so there, there are there are things that we as adults have to do to kind of mitigate against that, and we have to set up these barriers, um, especially if you're a public figure. And you 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 have a show, so you probably know this already. Yeah. You've probably had to do things like that already. Um, so you know, we we as we as public figures can't be afraid of that. We it's it's okay. It's not mean to do it. It's it's just saying, hey, look. You know, I I understand you're excited that you watch this video and you want to share it with me, but for one thing, I don't have time to watch it, or if I'm being honest, I don't really have an interest in it, uh, but. This type of tactic is used very frequently by scammers, by people trying to get people's information, even by traffickers to try to get you to click on that link. So it gives all of your information to them. And I just, I cannot risk it. Um, It's impossible because sometimes you can even message back to the person and and I wouldn't even recommend that because you don't know if that person is a scammer or not even messaging them back can open that door so I just, every now and then, I'll just post on my own timeline. I'll just say, hey, just a reminder, if you send me a random link, you're you're gonna get deleted. I, you know I I love you. I pray for pray the best for you. It's nothing personal. It's just these these types of tactics are are used frequently. So we can teach our kids those things too. And um you know I, I'm I'm not a total prude about it. I know eventually there's going to come a time where my daughter's gonna want some kind of social media presence. You know as much as I would like to just tell her no forever, she's eventually gonna turn 18. So I, what the the plan for it is not to completely shield her of that. Right now it is she's too young. For it, uh, right. but at a time where, um, where, and every kid's going to be a little different. But at a time where she understands the dangers, she has uh, has shown that she can be trusted a little bit, okay. then her, her mother and I are going to go through these steps and processes with her. And we're going to show her examples from our own. Actually, we're showing her examples now, uh, even though she doesn't have Facebook, but so that foundation will will already be in place. Um, But we're going to go through all that with her and say, you know, this, if you're going to do that, this is how you're going to have to do it. And if she strays away from it, then it shows, okay, well, we need to cut back some of this because it, it shows that, you know, you, you've broken some trust, you've, you've gone outside of what we told you to do, and we want to keep you safe. So you, you need to spend some time earning some trust back, and we're going to limit, uh, limit your exposure now. So, uh, you, you know, if that means, you know, deleting the profile, whatever that means, every parent's got to make their decisions for their own kids. Uh, but so it's, it's, not about, it's not about completely shielding them from it forever, Unfortunately, a lot of homeschool uh, families do that. Uh, It's kind of it's kind of a cliche now that homeschool kids are sheltered, but it's a cliche because it's kind of true. There's a lot of homeschooled families. They get into homeschooling for the right reasons, but then they take it too far and they keep their kids home all the time. Uh They don't take times to let their let their kids develop social skills. They don't really tell their kids about the outside world or let them go out and experience it. So we don't want to be so overprotective that we're that we're sheltering our kids to the point where when they do go off in the world, they're not going to have any skills and not going to, you know, because what'll happen? This happens time and time again. They will bottom out immediately. They they will discover alcohol for the first time and have no clue what it is or how bad it is, and they will become an overnight alcoholic or drug addict or that that kind of thing happens a lot. So the the best the best way to mitigate against that is through knowledge, strength, and trust. Those those three things I really hit on hard uh, throughout the film because um, I think that gives our kids the best chance. Uh, to be able to survive in this world. And then in the meantime, while we're training up our children to hopefully uh, create a better culture than, than we have done, uh, right. in the meantime, we can start doing what we can to fix this culture. And a lot of that has to do with just the over-sexualization of our, of our culture. It, it's It's provided a market for things like Child sex trafficking. It's it's provided the market for just seeing it as just some kind of kinky fetish or something, right? Uh, and, and and putting it in that category. And because of that, because I mean, there's like a fetish for everything nowadays. So because our culture is so open about that, it's 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 allowed. You know, the really bad stuff that traffickers and and pedophiles and groomers and stuff. It, it's allowed them a foot in the door. So you know, what, what I, what I personally suggest, and again, everybody's got to make their own individual choices, but like, I have refused to contribute anything financially to anything that uses sex to sell anything that's sexually explicit. I just don't give it money because I I feel like we have got to really rein this in, you know, I mean, every company now uses sex to sell in some way. If we can create a culture where it's like, don't use sex to sell. Use truth. You know, tell me about your product. You know, don't you? Don't have to use sex to tell me about your product. Tell me why is this a better shoe than the other guy, or you know, whatever it is. Um, if we can start training these companies with our with our money uh, to start marketing to us with just the truth instead of these gimmicks, that that can help a lot. That can really help. So there's little there's little things like that that every individual will have to make their own decisions for what they're mm-hmm. comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with. But if we all decide to do that and and uh, bring an awareness to this issue, that's what's going to stop it. That's what's going to put us in a position uh, where our culture is safe for the kids. Uh, an example that I use um, is today everybody has heard of the keto diet, you know, uh-huh. not so a decade ago, you know, what changed? It's not that government came in and put a, a bunch of regulations in place. It's not, I mean, they did try that and they just basically got laughed at, you know, in New York tried putting a limit on what size soda you can have. And it just, it made people angry and nobody liked it. Um, what what did it, the reason that people are so health conscious now, even, even if people don't follow the ketogenic mm-hmm. diet, they've at least heard of it. Everyone's heard of it. The reason is because there was a cultural movement uh, to get healthier. There was a cultural movement. And now we have restaurants offering turkey bacon. We have restaurants offering non-GMO stuff. Uh, we have McDonald's offering salads, which when that happened, I actually was working at McDonald's when that happened. This was years and years ago. That That shocked me. I was like, it's McDonald's. You know, uh, but it's because there was a demand for it. People stopped, uh, you know, by and large, they 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 started demanding the healthier stuff. They spent less money on the unhealthy stuff. And now you can you can go into most fast food restaurants and actually get a pretty decently healthy uh, meal now. And that wasn't that wasn't the case, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Well, in the same way, in the same way. Uh, if we can, if we can shed a light on that, we certainly can shed a light on child sex trafficking. In the same way, we can dry up the market for it. We can dry up the demand for it uh, by refusing to contribute our money to things that help support it. So you you don't even have to be against sexually explicit movies or whatever to to see that these things are used to support um, child sex trafficking. So in a uh, an example we give in the film, and we show this in the film. Anybody can do a very quick Google search and find that this is true. There is a direct one-to-one uh, connection between child sex trafficking and pornography. Just regular pornography for adults, uh, regardless how people feel about that—if they think it's it's fine or if they don't—that you know, let's set that aside for a minute. There's a direct one-to-one connection. Pornography is being used. the porn The porn industry is being used to help facilitate child sex trafficking, um, and it's it's just a matter of fact that that is what it is. So, uh, anybody can look up figures on that and see that what I'm saying is true. It's it's been documented many times. Uh, but uh, so the solution would be well, let's quit giving money to the porn industry, regardless right. how you feel about pornography. If you're pro porn or anti porn, doesn't matter. Uh, it's being used to facilitate child sex trafficking. So wouldn't it be better for us to sacrifice a couple moments of pleasure to you know, help ch- save a child's life? Because it, it is it is that direct, that close of a connection. If, if everybody did that, if we just decided, you know what, we are not going to financially support the porn industry um, if they're not going to police this stuff or if they're going to just let this stuff happen, uh, we're not going to support it. If, if everybody did that, yes the porn industry would absolutely crumble but so would a, a large portion of the uh, sex trafficking industry a, a huge i mean it would be dealt such a huge blow that i don't right. know i don't know if it could recover and that's we should want that and uh, so th- that's the case that we make in the book. It's not, or in the in the movie. Sorry, it's not about arguing the morality of pornography. It's it's saying, look, this is being used as a tool to do something that is horrifically evil uh, against the most innocent among us, against our children, and it's got to be put to a stop. I personally even take that a step further, and. I, I just I won't rent or or buy any sexually explicit movies. Even now, there's going to be people that don't want to take it as far as I do. That's right. fine. There are people that won't take their diet as far as others will either. But there was still a cultural movement that really transformed the country. So that's fine. Everybody can make their own individual choices. But the main point of the film is we can't sit on the fence anymore. The fence is an illusion. If you're if you're not actively um, participating in in the the solution, you are a part of the problem because where the traffickers want you most is inactive. So if you're inactive or if you just cast your vote once every four years and then you just sit and watch Netflix for for the you know the rest of the time and think that right. that's going to do anything. That is exactly where the traffickers want you, um, and you you are actually by your inactivity, you're you're helping the traffickers. So I wanted to create a film that really shows this problem, but gives people uh, good solutions that they can start implementing today and start being a part of the solution. Uh, so all of that again is in Silent Cry the Darker Side of Trafficking. They can get it at iwatchtvstore.com, Amazon, uh, and all the pro- all the profits go to Whispering Ponies Ranch which helps kids rescued from sex trafficking and I would just ask that people leave a review.
0: Fantastic. Is there a website also?
1: Yeah, uh skywatchtvstore.com. And if people buy the film at skywatchtvstore.com, uh, they'll get the DVD, but they'll also get a large package of other DVDs, other interviews that weren't included in the movie. We have an interview with um a, a satanic ritual abuse survivor, and he tells his whole whole story. He's a private investigator now. He's like one of the most credible witnesses I've ever talked to. Uh, we have an interview with him. We have an interview with um, a, a, a uh, somebody who actually counsels victims of satanic ritual abuse. Because uh, there's a whole there's a whole section of this uh, having to do with the, the Satanism involved that we deal with in the movie, um, but. But we make the point in the film, even if you don't believe in the Satanist stuff, even if you think that that's exaggerated, uh, it still doesn't change the fact that child sex trafficking is an epidemic. It's a huge mm-hmm. problem. Even if you don't think it's 500,000, even if you think it's only 50,000, you know, whatever, it's still 50,000. There's still mm-hmm. a problem. Uh, so, yeah, SkyWatchTVStore.com. They'll get a ton of materials, documentaries that you cannot get anywhere else. We have, um, we even have one on the, the uh Pizzagate in the year 2020. Like what, what, what we have found out about Pizzagate, what was sensational. There was a lot of sensationalism, but there was some kernels of truth in there too. What do we know for sure? We produced that whole documentary with one of the guests uh, in the film Silent Cry only for this package. Uh, People can't get it on Amazon or anywhere else. So skywatchtvstore.com is where I would suggest people get the film if they're going to get it.
0: Very interesting. I want to see the film too. can like, honestly, I say that I'm done now. Now you've got me really intrigued to, to see it. The other thing I was thinking when you were talking about uh, movies and stuff, you know, we laugh about the thirties, the thirties through the fifties, you know, for movies, because the censors had their fingers on that button. Yeah. And you know, you think that maybe, but they'll never do it, of course, because it's all about money, but exactly. think that maybe if, if, if they would do more of that, you know, and, and there, and there would be a, a decent censor out there censoring a lot of this crap because every time we, even on TV.
1: Well, and, that, and that's, yeah, that's kind of our natural, uh, that's kind of our natural inclination is to say, well, let, let's put somebody in place to do that then, because this is a job that needs to get done. Right. But for some reason, every time we do that, it never works out the way that that we think that it will. So like the the, the censors today are, are all over the place. You know, right. you never know what they're going to censor. The, the, I mean, just think about uh, people being censored on social media today, even. You, you'll get censored. I, I actually had a video deleted because I said the word Israel. That's it. Just because I mentioned that Israel is a a country that exists and I got that video deleted. Yet there are plenty of other videos that that, you know, F bombs left and right and it's it's fine. So like when we put sensors in place, that's why I, I think personally, I think the best way that we do it is we vote with our dollar and we just don't financially support things that make us uncomfortable, then we don't need the sensors to make that decision for us because when we put when we put these people in power. It, it, it's just human nature. The power is going to go to their head and they're mm-hmm. going to start using their own opinions to make these decisions where what we want is, is a, a kind of cultural opinion. You know, if we stop supporting this stuff financially, they, we don't need a censor. They just won't make movies with this stuff in it anymore because they won't sell, you know, they'll, they'll right. bomb the box office. Uh, they're not going to invest money in something that isn't going to earn money back. Uh, so they'll just quit making those kinds of movies. I, I think that, that that that's why the, and, and that's actually um like the the example I used about the, the the diet thing, that's why all of those regulations that were put in place, none of them really worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you can you can make it illegal for somebody to buy a cheeseburger if you really want to, but they're just going to make one at home. You know, they're not they're not right. going to make the decision for themselves to stay away from it, and that that's what we want. We want people to use their own individual freedom because then it's it's kind of like it's their idea. It's like when you have kids. Um, it's a, it's a lot easier to get a kid into the bath if they think it's their idea. <laughs> so like one thing that I'll do is I'll give them I'll give them like a choice like uh, do you want this toy or this toy in the bath with you? So you know then they think they're making a choice uh, but either way they're, they're getting in the bath. Uh, so that kind of thing, I'm not saying that we treat the culture as children, but, but in that way, if people, it's just, it's, it's an example of human nature. If people feel like they are making the choice themselves, they're more likely to stick to it. And it's more likely to have the results that we're looking for. So, uh, if, if we just stop buying these movies, then we don't need the censors. Those movies will go away. So I, that, that to me is the, the easier solution.
0: Absolutely. How long did did it take you to make this uh, documentary?
1: Uh, about a, in total, in total, a little under a year.
0: Okay. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. cool. Well, I thank you very much. I know it's the holidays. Everybody's busy. You're busy. You got your kids, Christmas and all that. But I thank you so much for coming on. It's been thank fabulous. You. And well, yeah. I really, really thank you.
1: I appreciate uh, you having me on. Thank you so much.
0: Hopefully I can touch base with you in the future, you know, sure. for for other stuff and talk about this even more you know this is something that everybody has to be aware of that that's going on and there are people that have blinders on that don't realize it's going on so it's it's a great way to to bring awareness thank you josh you have a great holiday with your family and like i said i really appreciate you coming on
1: you too thank you so much i really appreciate the time
0: all right you have a good one you too bye-bye well, that was a great show. I can honestly say that I, I learned a lot of uh, stuff that I didn't know about it, uh, about trafficking. Um, next week, uh, I have a surprise guest coming on. It's New Year's, the week of New Year's, so I'm not even going to tell you guys till maybe the last bit. We'll see. But um, I want to thank Josh for coming on, and I'm really excited uh, that, that he did. And I want to thank all of you. And I know this is going to be pre-recorded, but I want to thank all of you, and I hope you all have a great Christmas. I know it's it's a weird time because of COVID. You know, we're not able to be with our families. Um, a lot of people don't have a lot of money. But you know what? The true meaning of Christmas, and I don't want to be preachy about this, you know, it's, it's about baking. It's, it's about making your own gifts. It's about doing stuff like that. And and that's how we have to look at it. This this is going to pass. And next Christmas, we'll probably all be able to be with our families and stuff. But for now, we've got Skype. We've got Zoom. We've got all, all these other things. StreamYard, you know, Facebook. Facebook has their apps to, to do it, so let's just make the best of it. You know, there's no point rocking the boat on this. If we all work together, we're going to get through this. And especially with these vaccines coming out, maybe by summer we'll, we'll be able to go to the beach together and, and and do stuff we used to do. But in the meantime, just hang loose and go, and go with the flow a little bit. And I know there's people out there that that are tired of it. You know. And, and resisting and stuff but you know we're all in this together and we all have to remember that we're called the United States of America for a reason and that's because we're united here our states are united the people are united so hopefully all that all that comes together and I'm starting to be preaching anyway ah oh, the heavy stuff um, if you like this show feel free to uh, donate we're looking for donations we're funding this out-of-pocket so you know the every little bit helps if you don't like the show send it to somebody you don't like and, you know, your enemies or whatever and, and refer it over, but share, share, share. We want to get out to more people. You know, I'm looking at maybe expanding on on the news side and doing a separate show for the new, for the newsy items. But for now, that's why we're doing every other week so we can get, get the word out. Okay. You know, uh, visit our YouTube page and uh, join that and get more updates and there'll be updates for our team on there. Plus we're going to be doing live meditations on there, uh, so people can see medita- yeah, meditations at night that's coming um once i move out of this studio and move into my main studio uh you know, the smaller studio will be next month you know we're going to have the freedom in here to do a lot of video filming you know d- different things different interviews and stuff like that so keep an eye out for all that but in the meantime please please, please feel free you know feel free even five dollars helps us Stay on the air and get great guests like Josh on for the show and, and whatnot. But I want to thank you all, and you can visit California Haunts at www.californiahaunts.org. And uh, again, I will see you next week. Have a happy holiday.